Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. This is a special lockdown episode of The Mentor because as of recording, a large portion of Australia is now in lockdown. That's Victoria, South Australia, and New South Wales. For Sydney, this will be our fourth week in lockdown and it's our strictest one yet. Basically, every small business is closed, construction is put on pause, and if you're from Southwestern Sydney, you can't go to work at all. Yes, a government support package is on the way, but how are small businesses dealing with the lockdown right now? What the hell is going on? The small business community has been severely impacted and I know many of you are hanging on by a thread. These are really tough times. So for today's mentor episode, I want to speak to a small business owner directly, someone who actually gets it. But I also want to get really practical because there's only so much energy you can put into being pissed off at a situation at any one time. So how can your business benefit from social media right now? What content can you create that will speak to your future customer. Now is the time to be practical and do what small business owners do best, and that is just get on with it. Natalie Ann owns a hair salon in Croydon, and she's also one of Sydney's most influential hairdressers. Natalie Ann, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's quite important, actually, that I speak to people in your industry. That's the hairdressing industry and or beauty industry. Um, I have had literally thousands of um, comments, et cetera, f- over the last week or so from hairdressers and or um, people in the beauty industry. And it, clearly there's a lot of you guys around. Um, you're a big part of the small business community. You obviously employ lots and lots and lots and lots of people. And it um, looks like this time around it seems like you're more heavily affected or alternatively um, the hairdressing industry and people within it have found their voice and have actually decided to step up and say something. It's time to talk. Are you seeing that? A hairdresser all of a sudden got quite vocal about what's going on? Yeah, I think the first lockdown, Mark, um, you know, we had we, we did everything that we were told. We followed the, the, the rules. We followed the law. We listened to the guidelines, the restrictions. And, you know, most people got immunised so that they could still practice And then the fact that they, I guess, weren't looked after as well as they felt like they should have been in um, our industry, this time around it was a little bit different. They definitely have stood up. It's not just the thought leaders or our media or trade press, it's everybody. 
um, you know, from the local salon with two employees to the freelancer who works from home right through to, you know, the big corporates. You know, they, they've all spoken their mind this, this time. And I think your so, piece so- of content that went out on the, on the internet, um, I saw all of my friends in the industry sharing it. It definitely resonated with them. So that's why. I mean, I, I've been carrying on about this particular lockdown for a while um, and I don't want to be the, I don't want to keep doing it, but <laughs> why do you, does your industry and the people within your industry feel as though they need to speak up this time? Like what's the difference this time around? Like- this time is we're locked down. So the first lockdown, we weren't, we were classified as an essential business, you know, so we were allowed to open. A lot of us did close. I did close based on the fear of my staff, the fear of the unknown. Um, We chose to, to close even before we knew about JobKeeper, whereas this time it was a mandatory close. So the fact that we were closed and we were closed without warning, that's where you know, things got a little bit more challenging and I felt like people were more vocal. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Without warning, um, and I think it caught everybody by surprise. Um, there was no, like, let's call it, there's no warm-up. There was no uh, easing into it, which, you know, our premiers was being included in the tent as to why decisions are being made and when decisions are being made. That I definitely think we do need a, a government body to speak to our industry. Um, I have tried to, you know, do my research, speak to different people, but it falls on deaf ears. You know, we don't have a union, so to speak. We don't have people that speak for us. So I try and be that voice every time that I can. Um, but at the same time, they definitely need line of sight. We need a plan. We need to be able to forecast our next 12 months because we run on appointments. Not every salon is, you know, in a Westfields and is a 15-minute time slot. You know, I, I block out four hours per client. So, and we're booked 12 months in advance. Where, how are we going to keep merging these clients? And you're, you're paying administrators for, you know, two, three, four weeks now just to answer the phone and listen to your clients and how disappointed they are. Well, let me just wind it back a little bit. So... Your salon is in Croydon. Um, what street in Croydon? Like the main drag, like in the strip shops? We're on the dead street, Edwin Street North. Uh, how many uh, hairdressers and or ancillary staff admin as well would be in your salon? We have 15. 15 people. And um, of that, how many of those are actual uh, qualified hairdressers, so to speak, people who have done their apprenticeship, et cetera? So there's six. Six hairdressers. And the rest are people who assist. Yeah, apprentices. Apprentices, yeah, so, so. Um, a videographer, admin assistants. Right, okay. What would be your normal occupancy? So this time last year we were running at um, probably 90 to 100% occupancy and the 10% right, right. drop-off would have been the fear of people cancelling last minute or coughing and cancelling. Um, yep, and yep. this year that's dropped down to 70 or 60% occupancy. And now, now, now zero? Zero. Right now, so you're going from 90% occupancy to 0% occupancy. And do you pay rent? Yes, we pay rent. You're a landlord. And um, when it gets announced that you have to lock down, what do you do when there's no revenue coming in the door, uh, you know, no customers? Um, what do you say to your salaried employees? We have never stood anybody down during this time. I was super proud to say that. 
Um, yep. I promised to my my staff this time last year that I would ensure that they ate before we did. Um, I'm extremely fortunate in the sense that I've managed to diversify my income streams and create other revenue streams. So we've relied on other parts of our business in order to be able to pay those staff. And we did that before, as I said before, before we knew about JobKeeper. Um, and then this time round, you know, we were about to do the same thing. You're basically eating into your savings yep. to keep your employees uh, fed. Of course, because they're hard to find and they're our family. You know, we've got three that live on their own. They've got to pay their rent. I've got a single mum who actually really recently got married. You know, she was the sole income earner in her household for a very long time. Like, how do I put these people on their ass? Like, it's never going to happen. Most people probably don't realise is that in your industry, it's very hard to get employees. There's a there's an over demand for employees, and there's a, a an oversupply of jobs. There's stacks and stacks of jobs. All the hairdressing businesses are always looking for new people to come work from. Is that correct? A hundred percent. It's become um, definitely harder and harder year on year. Um, I think. I don't know whether it's the hard work element or whether or not people have these preconceived ideas that you don't make any money being a hairdresser. Um, and our business model and our industry is changing across the board. Um, you have larger type scaled businesses like real estate type plays that are opening these big um, blocks where, you know, if you're a freelancer, you can pick up your clientele and just move there and pay for a chair or a suite. Now, that's never been the case before. And we saw that you know, early last year. And that's definitely affected a lot of the city salons. So when you get times like now, COVID, and what premiers, et cetera, don't realise is that, um, you know, they make a whole lot of assumptions. Um, but what they don't realise is that someone like you, um, whether you choose to or you don't choose to, you've got no choice because you must pay your staff because when it all reopens again, everyone says, oh, hallelujah, it's all reopened freedom again. We can start. Oh, we'll look after you. We'll, we'll let you open up again. We'll release you from your quarantine and your isolation. When that happens, if you haven't kept your staff, you're not going to find them for ages. How, what's the lead time to find good staff? For me, it's approximately a year. A year, one year. So you, you can't afford to lose any of your qualified um, hairdressers. Nope. You know, you're not choosing to eat into your savings or your other passive income that you have or your other income streams you have. You, you are forced in order to maintain the value of your business and the goodwill of your business and the viability of your business going forward, you are forced to pay these people out of your savings. Yes. Well, what do you think about that? I mean, that's fucking unfair because uh, unfair. our politicians are sitting up there giving us all the rules. <laughs> They're not forced to do anything. Their income remains the same and their expenses remain the same. They don't have any expenses because we're the taxpayer. We pay for all their expenses. We provide them all their assistance and their staffs and their drivers and everyone else who brings them lunch and coffee and everything else that they get. They don't have to stick their hand in their kick for anything. How do you feel about that as a, a proprietor of a business that provides a really good service in your Croydon area? And probably you've got clients probably coming from outside of Croydon as well. What do you feel? How do you feel inside? What do you think about that? I feel devastated because it's taken me probably just as long as it's taken them to move into the position that they have for them to get that pay packet. I mean, I've worked my ass off since I was 14 years old to build my brand, build my reputation, you know, build the house that I'm living in with my husband. You know, we're battlers. This is what we do day in, day out. It's unfair. 
Like, I agree with you. I don't understand why. They'll never understand what it's like to grow a business. They will never understand the hustle. They will never understand what it's like to basically feed their staff before they feed themselves. I think they're maybe with all the noise that you're creating, they're thinking twice about how they're making, you know, their people feel. It's like we are their community. I feel like they need to treat us like it. It's funny, you know, I was watching uh, the presentations we get every day at 11am, which is like uh, appointment TV. It's a bit like watching um, the Muppets. I don't watch um, them anymore. <laughs> it, it, it kills me because, uh, you know, we get we, – there's a chorus. Um, there's a chorus at the back. Um, they're all nodding their head in agreement with whoever's standing in the front. Um, there's a process. They uh, all stand there with a mask on them. When they get in front of the microphone, they take their mask off. Um, there is a process line, so it starts off with the premier, then it goes to uh, the, the chief health officer, and it goes to the minister of health, and it goes to the you know the deputy commissioner of police. Um, then on the side we have the um, the, uh, the hand sign language. To me, it's 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 like theatre to some extent, but it's sort of becoming boring theatre, and the the relevance of it all um, sort of just goes straight over the top of my head. And in a mathematical sense, I mean, the mathematical relevance, what they're telling me, how do you feel as someone who's running a business? How do you, you just said you don't watch anymore, but how, how, what do you think about the way that, it, that we are talk, spoken to every day? Do, do you feel as though we are in the hands of people in the service of public, in other words, public servants, people who are there who we vote in to serve us? Or do you feel as though you're in some other territory? I feel like I don't know the Australia we live in today. I, I feel like we might as well be living in a third world country half the time. I can't believe how many laws, restrictions. I mean, you're you're finding a woman in the middle of Greenacre for not wearing a mask. Like, the girl doesn't even speak English, you know? It's just, I don't know. For me, it's, it's I tuned out a long time ago because I can't watch it anymore because I, I don't know whether I'm more intelligent, but you, you can see the pattern. It's predictable. But you know that the numbers are going to climb. You know that the lockdowns aren't working, um, you know. But at the same time, I'm I'm a Libran, call me fair. I can appreciate how hard it would be on the other side. But be less predictable. Like we're seeing the same patterns as we're seeing in Melbourne. You know, we know that we're going to be extended. We know that there's no line of sight moving forward. We know that the grants are given, but are they really given? People are smarter this time around. Yeah, hundred percent. They're hundred percent smarter. That's for sure. And, you know, I'm I, I'm not all that affected in a financial sense. I'm I'm lucky, uh, but I've you know, been around a long time. Yeah, but you're emotionally affected because you are 100%. talking to everybody every single day. I'm reading your comments. I'm watching your Instagram. I can imagine. Like I've done a small business shout out, Mark, where you inspired me to go online you know, open up my channel for other people to start selling product and services online or basically come on and for the first time be good in front of the camera and, you know, introduce your business, introduce your family, tell us where you can find us. That took an emotional toll on me. I mean, I'm not an emotional person, you know, day to day, but there were some kids that had me like in tears. So I can just imagine you've been doing this for months and years you know, you talk to small business owners all the time. So even though it might not be inf- impacting you financially, it's definitely got to be impacting you emotionally. Well, I can tell you now, I've been waking up every night uh, having um, interrupted sleep. And I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want anyone sort of feeling sorry for me, but I mean, I'm, I'm getting, I'm starting to get angry. 
And uh, I know when I'm getting angry, I start to go into the dark thoughts about, and I have to turn myself into, I have to put myself into a training mode. I have to start to really, I have to bash myself up in training. Like this morning, I trained for an hour and a quarter. I like sweat like crazy. I've gone back into like pre-fight mode. So where I'm at the moment is that if, if I was training for a fight, which I've, you know, I've done many times, um, I would go into a very special diet. And I'm now doing it. So this morning, this is, I mean, it sounds a bit ridiculous and I'm not trying to be overdramatic, but fuck them. But at the same time, they've been overdramatic. So I'm going to tell them what I'm doing. I woke up this morning, I denied myself milk in the coffee because I've said, no, no, you're going to train ready to, ready to fight, like physically fight. Um, then I had, so I just had a little short black coffee. Then I had two tablespoons of uh, porridge. That's it. A little bit of water a half a teaspoon of honey I'm by and that was my breakfast and I had two boiled eggs. That's it. That's all I've done all day. And then I trained for an hour and a quarter. I want to get this point across. It's okay to feel dark about this because that's how I fucking feel right at the moment. I'm then, then I have to come into this studio. This is in the city here to record. I can't do this unless I come to the studio because there's a whole lot of shit going on. I went into the sub basement of this building, which I haven't been in for 12 months and I started skipping and I got a heavy bag down there and it's, it's just a piece of shit down there. It's, it's filthy, dirty down there. And I started and I trained until with no, I didn't even wear gloves on my hands until I was, and I, I just enjoyed hitting the bag and hurting myself. And I'm not sort of tr trying to say I'm tr creating health, self-harm. I don't have a mental illness. I'm just trying to explain that the feedback that I'm getting from people like you, people like you and many other people, is starting to get into my head. And I would say to the Premier and everybody else who stand up there in their little theatricals every single day at 11 a.m. and start telling and keep telling us what to do, how to live our lives, that you can't tell me how to live my life. You can't tell Natalie Ann how to live her life because you've never fucking lived our life. You've never tried what we do. You've never thought what we do. You never, they have not had the indignity of having to line up, for example, this morning at 8 a.m. outside the uh, Commonwealth Employment Service in Darlinghurst and, and stand there in the queue in the freezing fucking cold wind and not no one's giving you a coffee. No one's walking up saying, hey, here's your coffee. They're standing down there with the indignity of having to go and declare themselves as unemployed and can I get some money, please? They, haven't, they don't have to put up with that indignity and, and that's what the, a lot of these small business people are doing. You know, the guys in construction, um, working in construction sites, they live week to week. The assumption is... You and I, this assumption applies to us. The assumption is by these people telling us we can't work is that we all have savings in small business or self-employed that we can lean back on when we have these tough times because you and I are in a position where we can continue to pay our staff like you generously do. But most people can't do that. Most people live week to week, fortnight to fortnight. Is that your experience? I mean, are you hearing from other hairdressers and beauticians who maybe are not as doing as well as you are, but are you hearing it from others at how tough they're doing it? Of course it is. I mean, every day I'm getting a DM saying I can't pay my rent now. You know, my friends in Melbourne, like I can't even begin to fathom how they feel. You know, I've got friends down there that have worked their ass off for 10 or 20 or 30 years building their brand. And the bigger they are these days, Mark, the, the harder they're falling. You know, I've got a mate that's got 150 staff. Like, what is he going to do with them? 
They can't pay their rent. They can't put food on their table anymore. And I just don't understand what the motive is and why they continuously want to break us. This lockdown is going to kill more people with mental illness than it will with COVID. You know, they're alone. And I feel like they lean into social media these days to be able to talk to somebody on the other line. You know, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. And like what you said, they don't know what it's like to have their pride taken away and line up or even apply. Like my mum has worked her, her, her whole life, seven days a week. I've never seen my mum take a day off in her life. This is officially the first time that she is locked down with my dad. She doesn't have a Centrelink um, account. She wouldn't know how to set up a Centrelink account. She doesn't even have a birth certificate. So she, she's not eligible until she sets up a, a Centrelink account to be able to get the payment from the government. So then she'll have to lean on her friends and family. And those friends and family, they can't have her back because they don't have it either. It, I, I don't know what else to say anymore, you know? And then I've tried to stay positive, Mark. Like I'm trying to stay positive not only for me and my family and my team but also for my community because I'm seeing the rants and I'm seeing, you know, all of this propaganda and BS online, but I thought, okay, everyone else is doing that. Let me stay focused and how can we positively change our business or our strategy or our business model or how can we improve during this lockdown period? And that's the angle I've taken, you know, over the last couple of weeks just to make sure that people have a positive impact or somewhat during this time. Well, that, that's interesting because I bounce around. I've been bouncing around. One minute I feel shitty. And the next minute, like you say, I feel positive. I want to, I want to bring a positive story out. And, and, and it's very hard to manage that stuff. Um, I actually want to talk to you when we come back from the break about what you are doing, what positive moves you are doing to flip the coin. And by the way, these are your initiatives. They're not done by the government. No one's paying you to do it. You're not getting any subsidy for doing it. This is Natalie Ann's own initiative, which, by the way, that's how we survive. Let's not rely on the government. We're going to do it on our own. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. I'm back here now with Natalie Ann Hair Salon. And of course, we've got Natalie in front of us and the two business out there in Croydon. Um, when you got 
hit on the chin by the government's announcement without notice that you had to close your salon down. Um, how did you deal with your customers who had appointments going forward for you know six, 12 months, your staff, et cetera? And what, what was your first point of call and then just how did you roll it out? I think the first, the first thing that we learned to do is prep our team. I think everybody needs to be on the same page when you work under a brand. All the scripting needs to be identical. Uh, we all need to be on the same page. We need to deploy empathy and a huge amount of customer service. And that's the first thing that we talk about in my business because we've got a wedding business as well as the salon business. And, you know, we've got brides that are crying on the other end. So we wanted to make sure that we were just there for them first and foremost and assure them that we're going to do everything in our power to find them another spot. So not only did we have to, I guess, push all of our clients a week, two weeks, now three, now fourth, you know, we've got two full-time staff that are just on the phone and email and DMs replying to these people constantly, pushing their appointments because they want that security. And I think deep down, they really want to look forward to that appointment. We make them, you know, we try and make them aware that they really shouldn't do their hair at home, <laughs> you know, just to try and wrap it up so that we don't have colour corrections when we get back. And it's, it's a constant rat race. I, I can't tell you that there is an answer to this particular question. Like, we've just got to keep the customer service high. Do your customers have self-esteem issues if their hair's not done properly? I mean, how does it work? I mean, it... Or is it or is it more a luxury type thing? No, look, I mean, I think hair in, in general is definitely a luxury. When they first called us an essential business, you know, people were laughing at us. But there's this, I mean, there was this study that, you know, the lipstick economy in, in many, many years ago, you know, when um, the world is falling over economically, people lean on on hair and beauty to make them feel a certain way. And it definitely increases your self-esteem. You know, not only that, but that touch point with somebody who's a stranger who's servicing you to have a chat. You know, we're psychologists as much as we are beauty professionals. So there, there's definitely that element as well. We were talking about it earlier on before the break, but I think the issue for the government is that they approach everything as a public health issue. So it's a public health issue they're trying to fix or solve. What they're avoiding is the economic health, which is the health that small business owners are experiencing and their employees are experiencing. Um, and there is an emotional health issue, which small business owners and employees who have been put off or who are in trouble um, are experiencing either anxiety or depression or massive amounts of stress. There's an economic health, uh, economic health there's emotional health, there's the physical health too, um, and you just made a very important point. The physical health of, um, and it's something we keep getting told we're not allowed to do, but physical health of having freedom and mobility, just being able to move around and talk to people and see people, that that sense of being involved in a community, that that's to me that's a physical health. So there's so they they have forgotten about there's there's four health parts. It's the physical health based on you know move mobility. There's the economic health, which is based on what you earn. There's the um, emotional health as, as to how you feel based on all the anxiety, et cetera, that's being created and the fear that's being pushed around the joint using, the, you know, these behavioural aspects and languages. And then finally, there's the public health. There's a public health issue. Our politicians and government only deal on the public health part. They keep saying that they're interested in all the other three, but 
they don't really understand it. They don't participate in it. And I, and I think that's sort of a good way to summarize it. And I'd like them to start to think about those other ones. But now I, let me just park all that stuff and push it out of the other end of the table and talk about um, what you're doing. So Natalie Ann, you know, it's, it's a big deal to take a positive view on the world when it's like this. And it's, it's not an easy thing. And that's that's sort of a leadership thing. That's what leaders in businesses and leaders in communities do. And you have a massive following on your Instagram. I see it's been over half a million people. Um, and you've decided to take up the cudgel on this and actually, you know, be part of the leadership of your community. What initiatives are you showing in terms of your audiences on your various platforms? What are the sorts of things that you are doing from your salon and, and, and privately yourself? Um, so first and foremost, we started a small business shout-out session, which I go live. I was going live every day. You know, and whether it was educational material or it was just, you know, being able to, I guess, have people jump on and introduce their product or service on my platform. So, hi, my name is Christine. I'm, uh, you know, I've got an e-com business and I sell product and we tell them where to find them, um, how they can get in contact. And it was beautiful. Like we've spoken to, I don't know, close to 50 businesses and I would then share them on my stories and with a swipe up link so that that way they can, you know, try and purchase from them. And for me, that that not only, it was just good for my soul. I've got this large community and this large audience and I'm super grateful for and I've managed to turn those followers into customers. And I feel like a lot of people haven't done that and they weren't ready for this digital movement. So this gave them the opportunity, I guess, reach eyeballs that they've never never been able to see their brand before. And that's, that's just, cool. just my little one part, you know. Not only that, telling them to direct message me, um, I'm happy to look at their Instagram page, do an audit. You know, I'm not a small business expert, but I'm a practitioner. So I've got a small business. I've grown a brand from nothing. So I know what it's like with no funding, no help. I've managed to do that on my own. So if I can help someone else and it's just one person during this time, then I feel like I can, you know, sleep easy. Um, you've got an audience of half a million people. You're happy to showcase small business owners to your half a million people and not only that, not only showcase them, but allow them to tell your audience uh, where they're located or what their online location is, um, what their product line is, uh, what they stand for. What do you give them, a couple of minutes to talk? Yeah. How's it work? And you know what? It's more than a couple of minutes. I've definitely learned um, a few things about running these things. Um, there, there definitely has to be a little bit of level of, of um, I guess, curation. But um, I'm not a podcast expert, nor, nor am I a TV host. So, you know, I've learned different things during the process. But I've just let them speak. You know how you had a mum that runs like a kid's party business and she just looked deflated, like broken, you know. I just wanted to listen to her. I didn't even talk. I just let her rant and just speak and just be, just be a mate on the other end, you know. And she was so grateful and, and I think they just need it sometimes. Like people just need to talk to people. And she didn't even shout out her business. But in turn, I guess it was the time that she needed. And then you've got it other would. people that, you know, are hairdressers, especially in my community, you know, I had people like, why are you shouting out the competition? I said, because they're not competition. They're my peers. These people are as broken as we are. So, you know, there's going to be lots of clients that need their hair done, lots of clients that need their regrowth done, you know. And that's another problem, I guess, 
you know, we've got this push. So you've got all these clients that usually sit in a six-week window that are going to be pushed into a one-week window because you're trying to cram them all in. So we can't do, you know, 200 hours of, of backlog. There's, no, I guess creating that um, or getting that income back doesn't happen. It's about... Yeah, so that's lost income. That's us lost. It's lost. See you later. Yeah, yeah, for the government to assume that um, it'll all come back and you'll pick it all up and everybody will come back and spend with you and you'll make more money over the next six months than to, to compensate you for what you lost over the last three months is an absolute nonsense. Yeah. And then we've started a Facebook, um, closed Facebook group where I guess I could talk shop. Um, we're trying to accept everybody as we can because I didn't realise how much administration goes into that. Um, where I'm going to be hosting more private sessions for free. Um, we've managed to get 500 people in there already and I'm going to just do live sessions on social media, how to grow your following during this time, what it's like, you know, Instagram hacks, um, Facebook hacks, how to better communicate with your customers during this time um, and just try and give them access to me and everything that I can possibly give them during this time. Nurture that community, you know, I mean, these people have taken their time to, to jump off Instagram, go to the link in my bio, give me their details, and they want more. So that's where I am. That's where I can nurture them. That's where I can look after that people. And what are the sort of things they're asking you? It's, it really, it's, it's social media. Most people have this huge misconception of what social media is and how hard it is to content create and curate content. They feel like they have to be on every platform. They also feel like it's really, really, really expensive. You know, they need a high-spec camera and amazing lighting and et cetera. Um, and there's so many excuses. So I'm one of those people that tries to debunk all of those and make it really easy for them to create content on a budget um, really all you need is your mobile phone and some light, um, whether it be natural or artificial, and walk them through how easy it is to start a personal brand. That's pretty cool. So how did you learn all this stuff? I mean, did you or, or was it through error or trial and error? I mean, how did you learn it or did you do a course? I mean, what, No, what, what? it was definitely an accident. Um, I was a hairdresser and always have been a hairdresser. I've been a hairdresser since I was 14. Um, but while I was doing my apprenticeship, we used to make $223.04 in my first year. So it was, it was a hard battle going all the way to the top. And then when you finish, you still only like six, 700 bucks. So I ended up going into the nightclub business and I used to manage, um, the door of nightclubs. And I really learned how to, I guess, um, create, uh, a community, a database. I learned how to pull people in, you know, by creating certain promotions and certain events. And when I wanted to start my own hairdressing salon, I leaned on those skills. I realized that I needed a database that I could talk to. I needed an audience that I could speak to um, because, you know, traditional media is expensive. You know, running advertising campaigns in a, a Vogue magazine that you don't really know how they measure their, um, their reach um, was hard. So I started to post images on Facebook um, very, very early on and it sort of caught fire. Um, my friend started my account. I had no idea what I was doing. But, you know, one particular image went viral and I had to then reverse engineer on like how that happened. Like how did the phone start ringing? 
How what did was I, the image? It was a signature. I, I was shooting a campaign for a swimwear company and it was like this beautiful vintage wave, which is still trending till this day. But it was my signature look. It's what I was known for. It was I had to learn, relearn how to do the hair because it was an accident on set. But my phone did not stop, Mark. It was the most powerful thing I'd ever felt in my life. And as a hairdresser, um, if you're in fashion, you work with photographers, makeup artists, you know, you get together as a team and you basically submit content to magazines in hope that they will give you a spinal credit and publish your work. And I thought to myself, why do I have to wait for media to tell me that my work is good enough to be published. Why can't I be the media? Why can't I curate my own magazine? And it was the most powerful thing that ever happened to my my life. I ended up being known as this social media guru or, you know, it was interesting because, but I was really just first to market, you know. I, I saw a gap really early and it was easy for me to uh, uh, um, amass a, a following back then because traffic wasn't as high. So that's how it all sort of started. I guess what you're sort of saying to everybody who's listening is that you had a crack. Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, you asked the question, why do I have to wait for mainstream media, you know, those magazines, et cetera, to, you know, to make a judgment that I'm good enough when, I, when already there is uh, media formats out there which may not be have as many re- as big a readership, but as there is a format out there which I can control and own myself, and there's not going to be any judgments other than the consumer judging what you put up, and then you decide to just go and have a crack at it, and then over time, I guess what you've done, you've refined it, you've refined your ability to execute or produce well, you know, like your, the the quality of your production, the you know the you know as you said earlier, the lighting, the sound how you address the camera, what you wear for argument's sake. I mean, what you wear. These things, I mean, these aren't, these aren't accidents of uh, Natalie Ann at the moment. I mean, the way you've decided to present yourself today, give us one lesson on just about your thought process and your planning about what you do to present yourself today at, uh, you know, for this recording. Um, I like to connect with different audiences and I understand that I guess every, your market and your audience would be a little bit different to my market and my audience. So the way that I would present myself would be with a blazer, but it's still a blazer with a little bit of personality because I'm a hairdresser. So for me, a little bit of zebra, a little bit of fun, you know, I, I made sure that it was boss, but soft. And the thought processes behind that is I want to be approachable. And I want it. I want to be able to connect with your audience, with who, no matter who they are, online, whoever sees me. And I show up every day in a blazer to my salon. Um, I wear high heels every single day, and for me, that is a part of my routine. It puts me in a mindset every time that I wake up in the morning. I put a full face of makeup on. I dress my hair, and I wear a blazer. You use a really important word called mindset, um, and uh, and I, I always take the view mindset's about structure and routine. Um, that's what mindset is, where you're not actually overthinking shit. You're actually just putting yourself into a routine, a structured routine. But first and foremost, as you said earlier, Nat, you've got to identify, like on this show, my audience, and you said something really interesting. You uh, One, you want to appear like uh, you, you want to be taken seriously, but at the same time, you you want to be approachable and fun. Um, so that's that's 
quite a good thought process, to be honest with you. And uh, and you've dressed up, but you've dressed down um, at the same time. And you've got a and actually the whole zebra thing. Um, by the way, zebra is one of my favourite animals, zoo animals anyway. I mean, I've got lots of paintings of zebras. And uh, I heard you say earlier to our producer that it was for a $20 jacket or something. So it's not as though you have to spend a shitload of dough on nah. all this stuff. But the idea of the jacket is to sort of make it clear that you're in charge. It's your business around your salon and everywhere else you go. I'm approachable. I want to, be, I want to have a bit of fun in my life. You know, I can take the piss out of myself. Uh, and on top of all that, um, you want to come across as knowledgeable. You know your product. You know your market. You know what you, you know your stuff. Most definitely, and I think it leads into, I guess, when you're building a personal brand, there needs to be a level of consistency, you know? So I think there's this expectation, not that it's right or wrong, that I present myself in a certain way. I'm a beauty professional. So, um, and that's a part of my, my personal brand, you know? We love to educate people. We want our content to be consistently beautiful and inspirational every single time and I hope that I lead, like live up to that. You just reminded me of something really important and, and I think that's a point that's not spoken about enough in terms of personal brand. So many, many years ago, I think the best personal brand person on the planet by far is Donald Trump. He's like everything's about the Donald Trump brand and um, I've had the uh, um, privilege, I guess, of uh, uh, having met and knowing the uh, – President of the United States, when um, because he did own the original um, Apprentice TV show, he owned a percentage of it, and um, I had meetings with him and telephone calls with him, and you know, met him here in Australia once, and I never forget when he turned up to this meeting. Um, we were meeting at the Four Seasons here in Sydney, and um, I was told that um, I had to sort of you know wait out wait out in the an area where there was there was TV cameras that was whole thing was going and I was going to have I was given a half an hour so so to speak uh, with him and I was going to do a TV interview I interviewed him for half an hour that would have and, been incredible uh, it was and as he walked through the door uh it was just Donald same Donald Trump that you saw when he was the president of the United States he had his very fine pinstripe uh suit on um it was slightly too big for him jacket um he had his uh he had a red tie on um at the time uh the jacket wasn't done up and the tie went below his belt loop um he had a white shirt on he had his uh signature hairstyle like a lumpet but that's his signature hairstyle that's what it is um when when he sat down and he spoke to me he was very much on brand in terms of his conversation the words came out of his mouth were on, uh, on brand and right up to the point where we both were asked to stand up and the media wanted to take photographs of, of us all, of the two of us, and they they wanted us both to point to the camera and say, you're fired. And they must have taken 20, 30 shots, and they sent us the shots for approval. And one of the things I noticed in, the, in, all, the, in all the photographs, on every photograph, his hand was in exactly the same position relative to his body in terms of where he was pointing to say, you're fired. And even his mouth when he said you were fired, looked exactly the same. Um, everything was in sync and perfect and consistent. When I looked at myself, my hand was in different positions on every photograph and um, my mouth looked different <laughs> every time I said you were fired. But I learned a very important lesson. As you just said, you must be consistent. You must be on message the whole time and you must do it over and over and over again for many, many, many years. I mean, that was uh, 10 years ago that uh, I did that. Um, that was in 2010, I think, 
or maybe 11. And if you looked at Donald Trump today, he's exactly the same. He hasn't changed. He dresses the same. He walks the same. He approaches the microphone the same. His uh, message is the same. Um, and it's very, very interesting. He would have to be the most powerful personal brand that I've ever seen or ever met in my life. And, um, and what you just said echoes accurately and completely with what my experience is. And, um, and I think what you're saying is to your audience, it, you know, if you're in, particularly if you're in the hairdressing industry, a small business owner where you're dealing with your community, your personal brand is incredibly important. Um, and your personal brand, Natalie Ann's, is um, you're, um, you're, you're generous in terms of uh, what you offer people. You're showing gratitude by allowing people to come onto your platform and talk to your audience. Um, and interestingly enough, you work out who your audience is, where, depending on what platform it is, and you speak to that audience. Um, you make sure that you're in charge. You know, you're the boss. That's your business. It's your brand. It's, that's pretty cool stuff. Um, and I just think everybody should be listening to this and learn from this in a positive sense. As I said earlier, Natalie, Ann, governments don't tell you this. Governments say, oh, here's a handout, but line up at, um, you know, the Commonwealth Employment Service to get your money. Um, here's, a, here's more money, but you've got to go online and register and, you know, the, the website's going to crash. And by the way, you'll be okay. You know, we, we think you guys are the most important people in the country. But at the end of the day, what you and I are both saying, Everybody who is in the small business community, you've got to stand up and do the sorts of things that this one, this is an important podcast that Natalie Ann is doing. And you're going to get dark moments like I do, and no doubt Natalie does too. But but at the end of the day, you've got to be positive, like Natalie Ann is doing now, like her these initiatives that she's showing. Um, can I ask you this, Natalie? In terms of your staff, the people in your organisation, what do you – you talked about your audience, but what about your staff? I mean, how do you lead them during these times? Um, do you try to inspire them or what is, what is your process? Do you want, are you trying to let them know that this business will survive? How, how do you deal with your staff as a leader? Um, for me, it, it, it's challenging in the sense that, you know, we've got create, 15 creative people. Um, with lots of emotions and they're so used to being super energetic all the time, you know, they're on. So when they're in lockdown, um, darkness can creep through. So my husband and I both sort of take different roles in the business. I'm there to inspire them and educate them and keep them motivated and um, teach them. So we do like daily Zooms. So every single day we, we touch base with them. Yesterday we did a social media Zoom where I learned how to screen share on Zoom and, you know, we're teaching them how to edit their content in a better light. I've set some really clear tasks and don't get me wrong, they don't have to do them because they're technically not really working right now. But at the same time, it's keeping their mind stimulated and that is so important to keep them positive. So they're, they're learning different skill sets. I've, you know, we've, we've taught them how to blog so they're learning how to write, which is not a skill that most hairdressers have. I said, but, you know, you guys learn how to communicate. You know how to con consult. Just write down a consultation. If you don't know how to do it, voice memo it. If you don't know how to voice memo it, call me and I'll jot down some notes and we'll create it. So that's another thing that we're doing with them. And then my husband touches base with them on an emotional level. You know, he's constantly checking in, especially on the most vulnerable ones, to make sure that they're okay. You know, being that ear and, and he's like the dad, you know. He, they're constantly going to him to, to learn how to drive and um, this one broke up with her boyfriend and, you know, it's this, it's this one big happy family and you've got to be their parents sometimes, especially when you've got people that work for you that are only 18 or 19 years old. 
That's crazy. Uh, you're right. You got to. I mean, I'm, my own business. I was doing those sort of stuff yesterday, and yeah, no, it's, it doesn't come to me naturally. Um, and uh, but I've had to sort of learn how to do it over the last couple of years, um, and just ask people how they're feeling. I mean, sometimes I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't give a fuck. Um, but but I've got to give a fuck. I've got actually got to be care. I've got to be. I've got to be concerned about how someone is. I, I, I don't give a fuck because I know I can't influence how they feel. I can't change how Can they I feel. ask though? I don't necessarily feel like you don't give a fuck. So I feel like, I mean, I don't know, I feel like it's tough love with you. Like if I was to work for you, it would be, well, just pull up. This is what we're going to do. If you want greatness, this is what I expect. Yeah, that's right. It's Which I don't think is, I don't give a fuck. I think that's just a, a certain delivery of love. I, I'm just no good at sitting there and if someone's crying and shit like that, like when I say don't give a fuck, I, I don't respond to that. Um, I do I do care about them. I don't want anybody to be feeling shit or not to be operating at, operating at their best. But I'm no good if I if somebody's sitting there just losing it, um, and because I'm not a person who's going to run up and give them a big hug, but but at the same time I probably would because I know that's what I should do, um, and that's sort of what a, a leader is expected to do. And then, you know we got to you keep using the word lean into it, but I, we got to lean into all our roles. And um, as a leader of the organisation, I just got to be prepared to do all those things and and sit down and listen. Not tell. Um, that's important for me. To, I've learned how to listen as opposed to tell. I'm a I'm a person who wants to talk at you um, as opposed to sit back and listen to what you got to say. And I think as a business owner, we've got to be good at both. Um, and we'll be strong at one probably than the other. And we've got to start to learn to be good at both. And you're like, in your case, you can get your husband, perhaps he might be a better listener. Um, best listener. <laughs> best listener, yeah. And, and that, that, that works. And sometimes in business you might have a, a, a colleague in your business or a business partner who's better at it than you are. But learn to play to your strengths. As old Jack Gibson used to say, play to your strengths and train to your weaknesses. Um, and if you're really weak at something, make sure you've got someone in the team who can do that. And, um, and I've had to realise what I'm strong at, what I'm not good at. But it's And, and all these challenges um, that COVID's presented over the last, 18 months, I guess, one positive thing, another way of positively looking at it is that we've actually been able to learn about ourselves. You, I have learned about myself, no doubt you've learned about yourself, um, but learn about ourselves as to what we're good at and what we can get and what we're weak at and what we can get better at. And to some extent, that's a bit of the journey. It's about, it's a, a, again, governments have got no fucking idea about what this is about. Um but, you know, we are learning about those things and it's why I keep saying how resilient we are because we're resilient enough to be able to just hang in there and just, you know, we take an uppercut and we hang in there. Um, and and, and where, it, where it's really critical for me, Natalie, is, for example, me having an opportunity to talk to you today. So that's what these social media platforms allow us to do is to talk to people. I mean, I'm talking to you direct, um, which is slightly different. But like prior to talking to you this morning, I felt like punching the fuck out of someone. That's that was that's how I felt. Like I was shitty. Okay, I've just woken up with a fucking head on me, and uh, now I'm speaking, speaking to you. You've completely disarmed me, and uh, I'm feeling positive again. It's because I'm and, a hairdresser. <laughs> well, because you're good at listening, Skill set. and I notice that you allow me to talk. And uh, um, but the only thing is, you're not cutting my hair. So, but but you're doing what you do really well, and uh, and and. That's why I would encourage people to follow people like you, to join up to your Facebook groups, to look at you on Instagram, to DM you, 
to engage with you because, and and other people, by the way, because as small business owners or people who are employed by, by small business owners who may well have been stood down for the moment, those people need an ear to talk to, and that's really important. That's what one of the that's one of the platform one of the reasons these platforms are so powerful and why they are so important to us all. Um, and uh, and I, it's fantastic that you're actually using your platform to look after the mental health of Australians or anybody who chooses to contact you. That that's a big deal. I don't see. By the way, I don't see any of our politicians opening up their uh, Instagram accounts and offering anybody to DM them. Can I add to that? Yeah. I feel like I want to give Scott Morrison and our friend in New South Wales, I can never pronounce her name, um, I I just want to give them a, a social play lesson on how they can better their community on their Instagram. I would tell them that they need to connect. They need to get up every single morning live on their Instagram, not at the 11 o'clock, uh, what do you call it, the Muppet Show? The Muppet Show, yeah. <laughs> For me, I would personally say that they'd get up every single morning at 9 a.m. because it's consistently showing up for your people every single day like you and I are and deliver value to your community. Tell them that they're going to be okay. Open up your channel so that people can ask you a question, not Mm. just visit the website that crashed. I would be delivering mental health education. I would let them interview experts on how they could, you know, look after themselves at home. Like they have access to anybody that they want on their podcast or their live session. But why are they not connecting? And I guarantee you it would like disarm the hate because deep down I think they're real people. I'm, I'm sure they have emotions. So I think that they should be delivering value and just being there for their community. We're their people. Talk to us. Use and your unscripted, social Unscripted. Yeah, well, don't, like, you know, wait for Kyle to do an interview about whatever you did at Stanmore Maccas. Like, I just, I don't know. For me, it's interesting. The way that they choose to humanise their brand, their personal brand, is not the way that I would expect them to humanise their personal brand. In this day and age, I think you're right. In fact, to some extent, the way they're doing it is dehumanising their personal brand. They're, they're making they themselves look like robots. Like They're up here. They're unobtainable. Yeah. They're not reachable. They're, if you want to be a good leader, let people talk to you. Don't cut them off when they're asking you a question because you don't like it. And tell them how you feel. And they're so aggressive. I was like, yeah, guys. There's no need for you to be so aggressive. We're people. Would you be that aggressive if you were having a one-on-one conversation with me? I feel like their delivery needs to be, like, softer because they're not talking to a military um, group of people. They're talking to mums, dads, 15-year-olds that are, like, struggling and trying not to commit suicide. They're talking to, you know, um, people of different ethnicities. We're a multicultural country. You know, why are you not translating half of the things that go out? Half these people can't even speak English. Yeah. So I feel like that's how I would change their strategy. Let's underline that word, disconnect. There's a disconnect between us as the audience all of us and the people who are telling us what we should do or try, who should be looking after us with the service, like looking up. They're the people we voted in. They're supposed to be looking after us, making sure they look after our public health. 
but there was a disconnect. I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I, I think that, I mean, it's, I, I don't know Gladys very well, but I know Scott quite well, the Prime Minister, and um, he's a real bloke. I mean, like he's a bloke from the Sutherland Shire. He loves his footy. He's a good guy. He's got a, a, a lovely family. Um, I know he is. Uh, uh, he has a lot of emotions, and um, he he's genuinely in the service of Australians. I mean, he genuinely is. Whether we like his politics or not, is another matter. But he genuinely is. But at the same time, I agree with you. It doesn't look like he's connecting with us, and um, and it'd be good just to see him get up in the morning and um, and uh, say good day, morning, everybody. I just had a shit night's sleep because I've been on the phone talking about Putin all night or something. I don't know, talking about China all night or somebody, and uh, and and all of a sudden we go, oh, cool. Like he's a normal guy. He's not there in his suit. He's just got a he's got his shorts and his t-shirt on. And it would just remove all of the misconceptions. I know that they're real people. You know that they're real people. Don't get me wrong. I will not stand for anybody like uh, going at them personally. I hate seeing it. It makes me angry. There's no need to bully anybody, including the people in government, right? I've seen every meme possible about the two, but I feel like they can control that if they show us a little bit of emotion. You know, and I know Scott tries to do it and I think he learnt his lesson with the bushfire appeal, but I feel like, you know, has he really? Like, connect because you are real. You have a family. You know what it's like. Talk to us, you know, and I feel like it would just make them such better leaders. Yeah, well, leaders because they're part of it. I mean, they keep saying we're all in this together. Well, Show me that you're like me. I mean, I, right now I don't think we are in this together. I mean, I... Like, justify your pay packet, you know? Like, this is one of the biggest things that's come up and you've said it and many people have said it. You haven't take, taken a pay cut. Show us why you haven't taken pay cut. Show us what it actually takes to run the country. How many hours are you actually working? Because people think you just do the announcement. We know that mm. that's not the case, but some people are ignorant to those facts. So show us. Show us what you're doing. Show us what the plans are. Keep in touch with your community on a daily basis. And that goes for everybody. It's not just, you know, the people that are running the government and the state. You know, it's everybody underneath them. You know, it's this emotional roller coaster as well in small business because you're like, oh, shit, there's no grant. Okay, hold on. They're giving us a little bit. Oh, are they giving us a little bit or is it, you know, there's this huge like are we going to get any help or are we not? So if they feed us information in other forms of media and not in The Muppet Show, I feel like it would be so much easier. I agree. that. Well, you know, maybe what you should do and what I should do is we should take parts of this podcast and and because uh, I wish they would listen to what you've got to say. And tell our list, well, our audience, all of them, to uh, share it yeah, <laughs> with, their, with the PM with and the uh, and, and the Premier's Instagram. I will go pages. to Gladys's house. I will set up a tripod. I'll personally buy it for her. I'll get us some lighting. I'll give us some quick makeup tips. We'll set it up and let let's go. <laughs> That's Natalie Ann from Natalie Ann Hair Salons in Croydon. Killing it, positive, strong, but still happy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. 